0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 130, week 130, volume 130, number fucking 130. How you going guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Kevin of the Merciless Concept and formerly of Suffocation and that will be coming up later in the show. Let's get into feedback questions and what's been going on quiet week this week but we notice all the new listeners welcome to the mosh zone thank you for giving the show a go if you're new or you haven't yet help us out with a rating and review on itunes help us out with a rating and review on facebook or if you've got some other free time this week help us out with a share on your social medias Enough of that. Enough of the ramblings. Let's get into the most important and the main part of the show. This week I got to sit down with Kevin of the Merciless Concept and formerly of Suffocation. First thing I got to say, thank you so very 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 much dude for taking time out for me and the mosh zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So the Merciless concept formed in around 2010. They had an album in 2012 called Armageddon. They're a band that do a slam, deathcore kind of vibe, very much ahead of their time. They kind of disappeared for a while, but they are returning with a new album coming out either later this year or next year, which we called Sessions of Pain. Kevin was also in suffocation, He was in suffocation for around two to three years, from around 2015 to about 2018. I'm a big fan of what Kevin has done and does do within the heavy metal game. To get him on the show was great for me, but also great for everyone in case you're unfamiliar with his work. I hope you enjoy this chat. I loved it immensely. That chat with Kevin is coming up now. Do you remember growing up and discovering music because of a certain artist? And I don't mean heavy artists, but, you know, for me personally, I remember hearing Aerosmith at around the age of six and then music yeah. became a thing. Was there a band like that for you at a young age?
1: Absolutely. And I, it's, it's funny. I I feel like I just had this conversation with someone a few days ago and it's like fresh for me. So like I remember being in the backseat of my mother's Volvo and my mom was never like a music buff, but she had like her, three bands from her youth she'd just play on repeat that was just always stuck in my head just because i was in the car and it was meatloaf Mm -hmm. black sabbath and uh i'm trying to think what the third would be for her it was like creed or something you know just radio music Mm -hmm. but like i think for me it was meatloaf and it was always something that stuck in my head and i remember you know that feeling when you're a kid and you stumble across something you never thought like you didn't know how to perceive it at that moment like the first album you picked up and really looked at the artwork and let it really sponge in. And I remember seeing meatloaf and I always heard the songs and it was always light rock music, whatever. And I picked up the bat out of hell album. And I was like, what the fuck is going on on this cover? Like, it's like the motorcycle shooting out of hell. There's fire, there's bats. It's like, whatever. And I was like, that's cool as hell looking. And I remember just being like, that's, that's a note. (laughs) I'm taking a little (laughs) piece of that in my mind. And that's that, that I, I like this. Um, But yeah, I think that's one of the first ones I've ever picked up. But since there, I think it was really Black Sabbath was my first real introduction to like that kind of like spiral of finding out what I like and what's heavy and things. Other than that, it was like Will Smith's Millennium. And like, uh, dude, I I remember I was just always drawn to music as a kid. Um, I I owned Lou Vegas number five on CD, Baja (laughs) (laughs) Men. Will Smith. I don't give a fuck, dude. It was it was good at the time. And, like, it's just funny. It's it's funny seeing how you grow. Dude, some 41 CDs mm-hmm. when, as a kid, I don't care. Anyone that's in their late 20s, going on 30s, they, they everyone vibe with that shit, so.
0: Oh, old Killer No Filler was an absolute outstanding uh, album, man. Yeah, I remember. I got it in my
1: Christmas stocking. My mom never knew what to buy me as a kid. She knew I liked music. She'd, she'd see, like, you know, Sam Goody was a CD store around the time, The Wiz or whatever, and she'd always just pick up, like, top albums or top whatever on the radio because i would always watch like uh i don't know what channels you guys get out there on tv but we had fuse we had uh mtv headbangers ball stuff Mm -hmm. like that and i'd always put in a vhs and just hit record on the songs i liked and i would just while i'm cleaning my room whatever play the music videos on like loop on the on the vhs so it was that was always my i love me i just was absorbing a lot when i was a kid And uh, my mom would always just pick up the top albums and that was some of them, you know, whether it was... It didn't matter if it was, like, funny, like, pop songs. I love hip-hop stuff. I love all that stuff. And it just kind of was always stuck to me.
0: So you mentioned, you know, you were drawn to music. Now, apart from Meatloaf, Mm -hmm. as you said, which was the visual draw with the artwork, what was drawing you in, can you think or remember, to music as a thing? Because some people get fascinated and obsessed with music like yourself, and I know I was the same, but some people don't. So what about it yeah. drew you in?
1: Um, I think as a kid it was one of those things where I would discover something and just like my mind blow part was just like how does someone get into this? How did someone like – like the same question you're asking me is what I would try to imagine for the person's CD I just bought. And it was kind of like how – they do this every day. Like they are on stage. They get to scream at people. And I paid for it. <laughs> this is so sick. Like the idea of it, like meanwhile, like, you know, I'm a kid going to school. I have my Walkman on, I'm on the bus and I'm, I just have like my few songs stuck in my head. And I'm just like, I'm writing an essay right now. Meanwhile, these dudes are in, you know, Europe singing at people. Like, it's just like such a cool fantasy to live that kind of life. And like, um, just just that was my draw was like, what kind of life is that? What kind of world is that? And it's so interesting to me when I was you know, i i disaster piece slip not DVD. Just watching that live performance and like watching that on repeat, it was like, I want to do that. That looks fucking sick. I want to be on stage screaming to people and fucking have a roaring crowd of people back at you like sending it. you know, it's just such a different vibe. Um, but yeah, tell me what's a cooler job than that.
0: I have no idea. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, there's quite a transition from a Sabbath or a meatloaf to a Slipknot. Mm. Um, yeah. And facts. what's your gradual progression? Are you being shown things or are you because of things like Headbangers Ball discovering things? Because, And also the other part of the question is why did you like the screaming music? Because some people hear it and go, no, nah, no, nah, not for me.
1: Yeah. I I feel like it's like a weird roller coaster where – Like I was saying before, to back up off uh, Black Sabbath and such, my mom bought me a Black Sabbath record in the same fashion, like, you know, Christmas stockings. It was one of the CDs. It was like Sum 41 and other shit, and then Black Sabbath was in there. I was like, oh. And my mom was like, I went to one of their concerts as a kid. It wasn't for me, but I could tell the kind of stuff you like has a lot of guitar, music, whatever, like a band. So she's like, I figured I'd get you this and try it out. I grew instantly attached to it, and then at that time I you know I got to be around what I got to be 13 12 around that era and then I was like who is this who's in this band you just you know at that time YouTube or Google I don't even know if YouTube was the thing real shockwave player whoever cares you look up Ozzy and you find out who Ozzy is what's going on at that era Ozfest who's playing Ozfest Machine Head Pantera uh, hate breed, and and from there it was kind of like this like steam wheel effect of just like, fuck, I got, who's this? Let me take a good listen to that stuff and this stuff and this, and it just kind of like, I wanted to find the heaviest thing I've ever heard before, <laughs> and it just became that thing because I, I mean my, I loved heavy stuff just because it brought that attention of like holy shit this dude is literally on scre- on stage screaming at people telling them to go fuck themselves and to kill each other and kids are reacting in an amazing way and i'm like that is the coolest energy i can picture um but i also love bands like well just even eric clapton mm-hmm. my dad was a huge beatles guy the who you know stuff like that so i've always been just kind of surrounded by music but uh Yeah, I took a grasp to the heavy stuff just because of the performances. You know what I mean? Just just being able to get that energy out is nuts.
0: Well, I mean, then what's your you're getting into it, you're becoming obsessed with it, and you're loving the energy, what you're seeing visually, the sound, everything about it. So do you think about starting out with an instrument or was it always about being a vocalist for you?
1: Uh Honestly, being a vocalist to me was always just a thing I wanted to do. It never was like a. It didn't start out as a goal when I was a kid. Just to be involved with music, I played violin. It was my first instrument I ever. Well, there was everyone picks up a tuner or whatever, like a little oh,
2: a flute kind of thing, yeah. and a
1: recorder. That's what, yeah. Um, I said tuner, a uh, recorder. But I played violin in fourth grade, because. Yeah. I wanted to be in band. I wanted to play something loud, something drums or whatever. And uh, they don't let you, you have to do fourth grade orchestra and then fifth grade band. So then I was like, all right, fine. I'll just do this to get in there. Like, I just want to be at a concert and just, even if it's your family and friends, who cares? It's just to get that feeling of like the song ends and the crowd cheers kind of thing. You know, it's cool. Uh, So I played violin for a little while as a kid. And then as soon as fifth grade came out, came about, I put that violin away forever and played tuba i played tuba in fifth grade (laughs) i'm the guy in the back i had one at home to practice you know when you're when you're live at high school they had that big fat one that you carry on your hip or on your waist whatever and then at home i had the marching band one that wrapped around you (laughs) and i had it mounted to like a little chair in my room so to get in you kind of got to worm yourself into this chair and sit and practice it was it was fun as hell (laughs)
0: fuck yeah dude i was i was i was a trumpet one that was my one okay yeah
1: I wanted to do saxophone, but they told me I wasn't tall enough. Really? As a kid. Yeah, because the way like I don't know if it was just my band teacher being like, No, I'm the next prodigy. Like I I know I know who's gonna play saxophone kind of thing. But at the same time, like he wants you to hold it in a certain way. And we didn't have like kid size ones, you know, it was just like the thing went down past my knee and I'm holding it all awkward, and he's like, All right, you just go play
0: tuba. <laughs> but but even still it was it was still fine. Like I still had fun with it. But you know So then, you know, you're you're tubering and you're doing band and stuff. So um, when did you decide, no, that's not for me? The vocals is really what I need to hone in on. Because also we're talking at a time when I don't think the YouTube really was a thing. So when do you decide to do vocals and then how do you start learning to do vocals? So it all started really with guitar. Because like I said, up
1: when I got that Eric Clapton record, my dad would like, you know, buy me Eric Clapton CDs. And and then I would kind of like, well, I like guitarists, but I like metal stuff. So I want to learn that kind of stuff. And I was I never went I never took professional lessons. I may have gone to like one or two little courses at like Guitar Center or something like that. Nothing for nothing real. But then um, I became obsessed with Pantera and then Dimebag, that whole thing. Um And my father bought me a guitar on my 13th or 14th birthday. I think it was 13th. A nice little Aslan Dane jazz guitar. And with that, my uncle bought me a crate amplifier, like a little mini guy. And I discovered later that I can plug a microphone into it and it'll work just as good as a mini PA in my house. So I remember whenever... What was it? I was trying to like... Write my own song or cover a song or whatever I was trying to do, I would do it before my parents get home because I'd get home from the bus at around two o'clock from school, one thirty, two o'clock. My dad was a plumber; he'd get home at like three thirty, four. So then I had like this two, you know, hour and a half, two hours to myself. I was like, I'm gonna make the most amount of noise in this bitch. So I plugged in like on my computer or my boombox. I put in a CD and I just scream along to it as a kid, just like being that kid in my room. But like I, I loved it. It was just funny as hell. And there's, of course, there's that day my father walks in on me. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing in here? You know, what are you doing?" I was like, "Nothing. I'm just singing a song, whatever." But I think for me, vocals really started after that because I was like, as a kid, you can hit higher notes without stressing yourself because you got naturally a higher voice. But like, I was doing the screams, and I was like, "Holy shit, I did it! Like, I, I sounded just like that guy. Maybe I can like." Do this somewhere, and I remember in high school, uh, I started a band called Inertia, and it was me and a few other friends. Like I had one rock fan, like I shouldn't say that. He was more of like a metalhead strictly, but like I liked hardcore. I got involved into like the local scene just because kids near, in my high school went to shows. I started going to shows with them, and then I wanted more of like breakdown shit. I saw v- bands playing breakdowns, so I was like, I want that heavy shit. I want to see people going nuts and i had one fan one one guitarist that was a fan of strictly like machine head and like um but they're newer stuff so mm-hmm. i love machine head i love those dudes <laughs> but like i i i wanted like davidian you know i mm-hmm. wanted that old heavy stuff so and my guitarist on the other side was he just picked up a guitar he had long hair i was like you should try this you might like it uh our bassist was a juggalo and our drummer was just another kid hanging around that liked some of the shows and stuff. But um, yeah, man, like we, I tried playing and I was, that was my high school attempt. And I remember we played a battle of the bands and that was like my intro to it. We had my first crowd, people actually having a good time, small little circle pit of your friends. And I was like, well, now I'm hooked. That's it for me.
0: <laughs> well, I love it. So you're in high school and you get that thing, you know, the band going, as you mentioned, mentioned inertia, but where are you going with school? Because, Um, A lot of listeners know that it's one of the biggest questions I ask around this stage Mm. is, you know, are you only focused on music or you got people telling you that you really need to buckle down, Kevin, and you need to pick a career path because this is very important? Or are you just like, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't.
1: That's kind of the struggle I'm living right now at almost 30. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I was always big in computers, um, like not never on like the the coding or development side, more just like I was a PC gamer since 14. So like naturally drawn to like graphics and like I'm good on Photoshop, video editing and stuff like that. Graphically, I guess I'm okay. But like I build all my custom PCs. I I love messing with gadgets. um, But I, I took computer arts classes in community college. And I had a lot of family pressuring me kind of like to get it through. And of course, I'm distracted with other stuff. Like I'm still constantly thinking about band stuff. You know, I have projects in the works right now that like I'm prioritizing over just even mainly going to work right now, especially like I work just little small warehouse jobs while I'm in between tours or in between gigs. And like it's good just to have for that. But that's not my goal. It's not my career. That's not where I want to see myself. know i want to see myself on a bus somewhere or in you know a a place of my own that i could afford off the bands that i'm pushing and creating um and it's like you like you said it like there's a dream or passion you have forward that's driving you more than school uh i was never really a good a student i was never good at taking tests because of the pressure of it um but you give me a youtube video i'll watch it three times i'll learn it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's that's kind of like how i've learned most things in my life is Stuff that I'm challenged with, you know, stuff computer wise, or if I really can't learn something, I'll just look it up there and get it going. But in school, it was never, never good.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I can, I can echo that. I was good at my computer classes. Like I mm. passed, like, so
1: short story, I had a computer class that was like uh, a four hour long course, Photoshop class. And one of the final projects was to take a letter, like, you know, say it was fucking, Mine was, I think, M, and you had to take something that starts with an M and manipulate it to look like an M. So say I took a Mac, like a Macintosh, and made the giant display into an M-shaped display, and you make it look hyper-realistic. So I made that. I I, I threw that together in like 40 minutes. He's like, all right, cool, pass the class. Have a nice summer, <laughs> and everyone else is sitting there struggling. And it was just like every class for me was only about 40 minutes an hour because it was more like he'd give you a demonstration and say, "All right, now apply that," you know. And I just did that, and it was so much fun for me because I had fuck with Photoshop at home for my bands. On um, you got to think MySpace era, hmm. it was all about learning graphics, learning HTML, learning how to make your band page pop out more than other band pages. And I was constantly looking up YouTube tutorials on how to really make stuff better. So I went into that class going like. I fucking know how to do this already. Like, that's sick. Like, I, I, I'm I, paying how much to do this right now? So, in my mind, it was just a piece of paper at the end of the road. But I know I can learn the stuff I need to. And now you see it, dude. There's so many companies hiring kids just off the experience. Like, what was that one kid that, like, hacked Sony's mm. infrastructure on their accounts? And now they just hired him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> mm. You know, like, he didn't, you know, he he's smart. He didn't need all the other stuff. He just kind of did it. So, it's tough. I don't know. I'm stef- I'm definitely driven towards the music stuff though, just because I know it's where my heart is.
0: Well, I mean, it's also, you know, an important thing to end on that is that you know, you only you only get one life and you don't want to spend <clears> it the whole time doing something you don't enjoy or you're gonna regret. So you might as well yeah. you're gonna struggle sometimes to focus on what you really love, especially if it's music because, you know, let's be honest, it doesn't really fucking pay. But yeah, at the end of the day, when you hit sixty, you know you did and chased what you love. You'd rather yeah, say I did as it. it. Pays
1: you, as long as it pays for you to get to the next show, mm-hmm. that's really like mm-hmm. a lot of musicians will answer that. As long as it can pay for my habits, dude. Like, like, just even my my experiences of just touring with Pyrexia, Suffo, and just seeing how they function. You know, there's bands that do it crazy. There, there's high end bands, of course. We can't say there isn't, but there's high income bands, and you see the way they function. Then there's bands like you know Suffo or Merciless or whoever like. Bands that can do it and get a nice chunk at the end, but also it keeps them going in between for the next tour. Mm. You know, it pays mm. for their house, it pays for their apartment, but it, it keeps them alive and also keeps their passion going. You mm. know what I mean? That's, that's really the goal in any band. And I, th- I think if you're in it for money, you're in the wrong place. But if you're in it and you love it
0: and you get rewarded with money, that's double good on you. Mm. Yeah, it's a bonus. You know, um, let's go back to, you know, you mentioned you had inertia going. During high school. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned earlier that you were starting to get out to local shows. Now, your local scene, um, was it kind of thriving at the time? Were you seeing a lot of bands that were getting out and, you know, I don't like the term make it, but you know what I mean? Like getting out and doing tours or weekenders.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, I think Long Island, uh, a lot of bands can attest to this. I think Long Island was a really cool spot for a lot of bands. Uh, We, at the time, we, I'm I'm throwing this back now. 2006, 2004, like in that era of like growing up in those late, you know, 2005 and on, there was like a few different promoters in Long Island. There was a lot of different places to book shows through. There was a lot of big bands coming through in small places. Uh, Like for instance, we had a place called Center HBFW, which was right around the block from my old house. Um, In that building, I've seen like there's old videos of hatebreed playing there to like 400 kids but it's a veterans hall you know what i mean it's not like it's meant for anything crazy like it's like probably two old people that own it they're like yeah come on have your party and then it's like hatebreed and agnostic front is playing there it's like what the fuck is going on and then uh we you know suicide silence rolls through there and um at the time bigger bands like you know remembering never was a growing band at that time or or you know there's just so many shows but like that venue alone has seen so much foot traffic of bands never mind all the other ones you know we had venues like molly blooms and we had venues like uh what's the other one I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on names though we have one venue that's had like six different names now it's called amityville music hall it used to be called broadway vp south and uh there's one other name i'm blanking on but so many big bands like even to this day uh, you have bands like a strain rolling up in a room that only fits like 80 or like a hundred. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like stupid that they're even there, but it's the fact that the bands love coming back because everyone is involved here. You know, it's, it's a, it, it really was at one point, a, a, a striving scene. Um, but right now I feel like just all music's kind of weird minus mm. the pandemic. But I just feel like local scenes now are different. But at that time I was going to a lot of hardcore shows where You know, you had metal and hardcore fused together. Um, one of my favorite bands growing up was Full Blown Chaos, and yeah, and that was that was one of like my first live bands that I saw, that were like, holy fuck, I need to do that. That's what I want to do. You know, like Ray Chaos, awesome friend of mine. Now, it's just so cool to look back and be like, dude, I saw you on MTV's Headbangers Ball when Jamie Joss interviewed you, and that's what. That whole circle there was like, I saw you on TV. I saw you live. I saw people get murdered at your shows. It was amazing. Like, I want, <laughs> I just swallowed that in. But uh, for those, yeah, I don't know. It's for old venues and shows, the scene was good then. It's just, you know, there's less growth in that matter now. Now it's all internet.
2: Mm. Now
1: it's hopefully your demo gets on some blog spot and everyone downloads it. and Now you have some sort of Twitter hype <laughs> and then you go yeah. on tour with a bigger band and now you're in that circle.
0: It is. It feels, you know, it feels very weird. There's less
1: hunting for music.
0: It's more just, Oh, I stumbled upon this. And I think it's also back then it was about, you know, the live performance, you know, you had to show that you could do it live, but not only do it live, but you were willing to grind it out. So, you know, do a couple of shows in a row. Now, as you said, it is all about getting trended, um, having, having a lot of streams. I think, It's unfortunately a sign of the times. I think the DIY and hard work ethic isn't completely lost, but I think we're starting to lose it.
1: Yeah, but it's also, but it's not always the band's fault though, because Mm. you, you know, I have friends that manage other bands and like, what do they tell you the first thing they look for? What's your streams? What's your merch sales? What's your, like, they want, no one's picking up the risk. Like, some, uh, what was it? Frank Zappa said it once in an interview. He was talking about how record labels, when they first started, the guys who invested in it didn't know what they were investing in, mm-hmm. which is why you have these awesome '60s and '70s musicians that were so out there and wild, and you're Bob Dylans, and yet, yeah, like a, a record label's like, sure, I see where this can go. Like, sure, just do your thing, and they threw money at them, and they became giant successes. Now, what happened in those industries is that their their, their little errand boys that went to go get them coffee in the offices, they saw all the things come in, all the artists come in. And they, in their mind, are like, I could do this better. And one day, they get in the chair, and now they have their own rules of like, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. I know I can make it better. Think of that in in over 40, 50 years of the music industry. Now it's down to a crop. Mm. You know, it's it's social media likes and analytics and all that stuff before you even, you can even talk to a label. You mm. can't put down a good track and just be like, do you have faith in this? Mm. It's more about where are you now? What's your Instagram interactions looking like it's 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 hard for the music industry for that reason as well as you know you got companies like spotify telling you to write more music because you're not making enough it's crazy it's <laughs> yeah. fucking ridiculous that's a fucking
0: that's a podcast unto itself that fucking recent yeah. uh bit of news that that came out that's fucking... yeah that
1: what was that last week or so yeah, like, two weeks week. ago
0: mm,
2: mm.
1: Yeah, he's like, you can't make it only putting out one album a year. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, literally go home and write your
0: own songs, dude. Yeah, that's a sign that's of someone insane. who isn't creative or in the industry as a musician. Because he just thinks yeah. it's simple to come up with 10, 12 new songs like that. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you got GarageBand and you just use all the audio loops that are built in it, maybe. <laughs> but, like, it's just – it's crazy to me that, like, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. what's that dude's upbringing like? Was he just around people – making success at a music and he grew envious and made a platform to take it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know much about the guy, so I won't go down that road. But just that just that last statement alone is insane.
0: Oh, but yeah. It is. It, is. Um, it kind of also got glossed over, too, that statement. Um, anyway, um, some people paid attention, some didn't. So let's roll into you know the steps that brought about the Merciless concept coming to birth. So you mentioned mm. you had a high school band that did Battle of the Bands. Was there a couple mm. of other steps along the way before that band originally kind of came into its thing?
1: Well, there was Inertia. And then after that was um, we acquired Matt Matt Lane uh, on guitar in that band. And then once Inertia broke up, uh, Matt had been in the Merciless concept. It was him, Charlie, and a few other friends that had this you know project going on. And I find, I found myself falling more into, like, metal and hardcore shows. And, you know, at the time, it was easier to find hardcore shows in Long Island. So I kind of just got more invested in that. But one day, Matt came up to me. He's like, yo, I got this band that, like, we're working on stuff. Um, it was more in doubt. They were heading towards, like, a deathcore route. Like, super, like, you know, Whitechapel had just blown up around that time. So it was more like a lot of bands were inspired by that, you know, sound or Oceano and bands like that. And I remember i at that time had more of a hardcore mindset and taking that like deathcore but mixing it with more of like a raw new york sound was a cool idea for me so when matt hex asked me to join the band i was like sure let's give this a shot and we kind of like sat in a room and i just let them play and i was like i think it would be cool if you did that and they heard it and they were like oh shit that's that is different that's cool let's make that our thing and uh which is why anytime we're, like, in a room talking now, like, oh, that's fucking Merciless right there. Like, that that's in our mind. Like, see, that that's what kept us together. Let's do shit like that, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I got into Merciless and how we've evolved from there. Because the band was a band, like, a year and a half before I joined, I think. And then when I joined, we kind of, like, rebranded it completely. We've made a new logo. We played different shows. We promoted ourselves just in a whole new angle. And since then, uh, we've been super attached to it. And that's when Armageddon dropped. We rushed it. We got Armageddon out there. Uh, now, half of those songs on Armageddon were written as them with their previous members, and then half of them were written with me. I wrote the lyrics to all the songs, but in terms of, like, their arrangement, or uh, you know, the arrangement of the songs were half old, half new. And you'll hear the ones that have that more brutal death metal tone to them. Those are the newer ones. The ones that have the more, br- like open-gapped like segue nice parts that's the older stuff
0: when that when that originally came out Armageddon did did that kind of gain a lot of traction and attention for you guys because it kind of like I was looking back on it it feels like it was a bit of a sleeper hit it had people it's <laughs> one of those albums and I mean it's a compliment that people that weren't going off the mainstream attention bigger bands they were mm-hmm. into it and people were like, dude, you need to hear this band. This band are doing something different than everyone else is doing. Cause it really yeah. was at the time, everyone was doing yeah. death core a certain way, but you guys, it felt, I guess a way, a simple way of putting it was slam deathcore. It's a very simple mm-hmm. way of putting it, but it was, and yeah. no one else. was I mean, doing
1: that's what it. we're all inspired for. Yeah. Inspired mm. by it. Like my favorite shit is like, like I'm wearing a repudiation shirt right now, which is like old school, New York, Long Island slam band Mm. like back around dehumanized days and shit like that. Like that's this is the same era. But like with Merciless at that time, we were trying to be that band that was like we just wanted to play what we wanted here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much like we were trying to do something that other bands were doing. And my favorite thing that you the way you said that just now was correct in the sense that we were playing. We got a lot of hype from bands. We didn't Mm. get a lot of fans just naturally with growth. It was more like fans would hear it after they had released something and they're like what the fuck man seriously they're doing that it's sick and one of my favorite mentions ever is Wyatt from the last 10 seconds of life shout out to those boys they're amazing um what's it called <laughs> we played some long island festival and this is when they showed up we were you know fans of theirs friendly with them since the as soon as they loaded up their van we got drinks together and we're having a great time they're like oh those dudes are cool and i remember him telling me that he spoke to his vocalist, Storm, at the time. And he was like, dude, we're going to crush this fest. Ain't nobody heavier than us. Fuck them. Da-da-da-da. Like doing this whole, like, you know, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen scene, you know, <laughs> like just hyping it up. And we took the stage and their jaws were like, fuck. They were just like dropped. They're just like, this is stupid. Why? Why are we playing right <laughs> <laughs> after you guys? And And it was one of the funniest feelings that has kind of stuck with us. And even to this day, like they played... They played right before the whole Corona thing. They played a tour out here with Ingested, Last Hand, uh, I think Body Snatcher maybe. And um, what's the other band? I Am. I think that was the other band. So they had a tour out here and, and I had the new album on my phone and it was like the same reaction. They sat in my car and they're listening to the tracks going, this is fucking amazing. Like, this is sick. You know, so I guess to wrap it all in, it's so funny that I think for us, we pride ourselves as the live band more than an album band. And I think with Armageddon that was the case that the album was good in our opinion but it wasn't nearly as good as how we play it live. Mm. And I we always kind of prided that about ourselves that we can show up to a venue and you think you know the songs but until you hear and feel the energy of how that song's going to be played to you, we always do something a little different. Like say you know the in overruled uh, mm. on Armageddon and 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 Dude, we never play to a click. I can look at Taquan, our drummer, and be like, slower. And we like we just throw it how we're feeling the room there. If they're explosive, we're gonna be explosive. So it's a lot of fun for us to be that live band that fucking leaves you leaving the room like, what the fuck just happened in there? You
0: know? Well, you definitely, so, I mean, you definitely were a live band. You know, I was looking back at posters of or gig flyers that you guys sure. did. And you really did have quite a bit of momentum, you know, playing a lot of shows here and there. And then it looked like, you know, things just a couple of years later started to really slow down a bit, you know. I know some guys <laughs> were off doing other stuff, um, but it suddenly started slowing down and losing a lot of momentum. Was this an unfortunate natural thing of the time, or was it that you guys maybe were just losing a bit of passion with the band at the time?
1: It was a kind of a mixture of things. It was like um, after 2012, we put out that demo. Uh, we had a band. We had our band at the time was Zach Austin on drums. He's doing a lot of solo stuff on Instagram right now. Uh, we had John Mackey on bass, which is in a band called Vatican now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these kids, we we were all just kids in 2012, just kind of riding the lightning of what was coming our way. like. In like you were saying, we had some really sick strides, dude. We played. Uh, it wasn't a big deal for us, but it was like uh, we played direct support to fetus a few mm-hmm. times. Like we, they, you know, we became friendly with dying fetus in the sense of like if there was a show nearby, they wait. They would, you know, wear our shirt and throw our name in the hat to play that show. So I was like, all right, fuck yeah, Let's do it. And like um, part of that was when dying fetus hate breed. I actually have the flyer somewhere. Cape breed Shadows Fall, Dying Fetus, The Contortionist Tour came around in 2013. Mm. And we followed some of the dates on that tour. And we like kind of piggybacked it. And they were, they were glad to have us. And it was such a good time. Um, what other shows? We played Rivers and Isles opening shows. And we just were really making good connections. And I think what happened is after Zach moved to Florida, our drummer, he was just kind of like, I got to get away from whatever it was, his family or whatever. He was just like, I want to start over him and his girl moved down to Florida. Same thing with our basis. He said he had to go to school or something. He just got up and left. So then it was just me and Charlie in a room and Matt and you know, Matt, we go back and forth with, we make jokes at him that we've had to kick him out of the band three times and he always comes back. But like, so really a lot of the communication since then has been me and Charlie. Like how do we bring this thing back to life? And you got to figure me and him are both hungry for music. You know, we're just trying to make stuff happen. But Long Island is weird where, you know, if they play an instrument, they're in a band. They're in a band already. You know, so what do we got? We got Pyrexia, Tomorrow's Victim, Suffocation, Dehumanized. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of it. Without Remorse, we got... Uh, I'm talking now in the, in that exact demographic of bands. It's like one big giant group of friends, but it's internal bleeding. Um, They're all sharing half the members. Mm. So without remorse, or I'm even going to go old school, like bands like Revenants, Partisan Turbine, uh, they became bands called Mother Brain. Mm -hmm. Revenance and Partisan Turbine made a three-piece grindcore band where it was Joe, the singer of Revenance, and uh, I forget his name. I'm so bad at names. Guitarist was from Revenance played. And then uh, the drummer, Matt Matt Cuddy, Matt Cuddy, Played in from Partisan Turbine to Mother Brain, but they also shared when Internal Bleeding got Joe the singer, and then they got Chris McCarthy with uh, Without Remorse as guitarist. Like everyone's just like this web of musicians. They're already in two bands, mostly everybody. So then we were looking at that with me and Charlie, where we're like, fuck, we wanna play music, but no one is willing to leave their group to come to ours. Hmm. You know what I mean? The other groups are already more established. So, like, we got... We we were paying for, like, a small practice studio uh, called Full Force, and that's owned by Joe Sincata, which he put out... You know, he records and tracks bands. He does live sound for body count, obituary, suffocation, and he put and he recorded Blood Oath and Self-Titled right out of that studio. So it's like, for us, it's the, it was like that Long Island death metal mecca. Like, that's where we were. Like... In the room next to us is a band, Psycho Enhancer, and then without remorse was in the next room. Internal bleeding was in another room, and then Pyrexia was in another, and that's how it. We got in that like tight knit conversation of, you know, people knew we were free agents essentially. So Pyrexia asked Charlie to play guitar for them, and I would just happen to be in the room. And Sean Kennedy, their bassist, was just kind of like i think they're talking about getting rid of the vocalists so maybe we can get you in there too (laughs) so dude it literally worked out that way that me and charlie joined pyrexia in 2013 and learned it for 2014's carnival of death we played with jungle rot suffo cataclysm internal bleeding and i'm trying to think if there was another band i think that was it though um but yeah like that's how we started diving in and that's kind of why merciless just kind of got lost in the dust Hmm. because it was just kind of we lost members we were losing our momentum in that sense. No one wanted to join the band. We were talking with, um, oh my God, I'm so bad with names. I should be ready for this. But, um, the first drummer of Rivers or Nile, he wanted to come play for drums, drums for us, but he left Rivers because he didn't want to tour. Mm-hmm. So we were like, fuck, like we can get him, we can write songs, but we want to tour. Like this, we're always, we always have this, like, here's where we want to be. And here's where we are. Like mm-hmm. how the fuck do we get past this? Um, so yeah, we joined Pyrexia, and we got our like feet wet in the touring world, and then we grew a liking to the Suffo boys, and Suffo grew a liking to us, and we just hung out that whole time. And that's kind of how that whole conversation skewed.
0: But yeah, yeah, man. But I'm
1: just happy to have Merciless going again.
0: Well, Suffo clearly, you know, liked something in you, because it was around late 15, early 16, I think. Somewhere in that ballpark of 15, 16. You... Mm come in and initially was the conversation that you were just going to be a fill-in for a live setting?
1: So it really was me replacing Frank mm-hmm. more for the fact that Frank has been, it's so funny to see it from the inside, but like Frank has been in retirement for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like he's been trying because he's been work. He works. He's, he's got his life set up. He's now, I don't I don't I'm trying to think how old he is. I think he's 51, 52. He's in the 50s. And he's like, I'm not torn anymore, man. Fuck that. <laughs> like, he's done his time, dude. He's he he loved everything he did. He loves the he loves being Frank. He's fucking out there doing this all the time. But he it's so crazy that you think the fan base would understand that they're like, if it ain't Frank, it's not Suffo. It's like, bro, uh-huh. he's been telling you guys he doesn't want to tour anymore for over. And I, maybe I dr- uh, dramatized 10 years, but maybe five or more, you know, and now actually from now it's probably been 10 because what was it? I was in the band three, four years ago now, hmm. but um, yeah, no, it's crazy to see people just not understanding where, like what the band has been, you know, Mike Smith hasn't been in the band forever. Uh, Frank hasn't been in the band for a while. Guy hasn't been in the band for a while, uh, you know, and it's just been Derek and Hobbs were me and Charlie. Of merciless they're just trying to keep the fucking wheel going and they're doing what they can to make it al- keep it alive so when i got into the band it was an interesting scenario where they had just gotten ricky and this was for the carnival of death tour that was ricky's first tour drums into scourge and now he's currently singing in the band now but it was one of those things where he joined the band and i was just kind of on tour on carnival of death for um Pyrexia and we had fun just hanging out. And it was one of those things I think something happened where Ricky and Hobbs had a falling out, and I was their first phone call. Mm. It was just like, boom, you're here. What's up? Like, let's try this out. Uh, because me and Charlie already had tight chemistry. We already worked together in so many other bands, and the other guys know I can hang with them, so it was fine. And I got the call, and I was just like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I have nothing to lose right now. With And Pyrexia, I should say, we were in Pyrexia for just that tour because there was, like, small internal business struggles with us where all of us left, like, the same day. And mind you, in that band was Doug Bone on on drums from Pierceful Within. So you see how the sharing mm-hmm. continues. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just... So, yeah, so with uh, Suffo... I got asked to be in the band and it was more i joined at such a weird time that they already had their nuclear blast terms written so like they were willing to do another album it was going to be frank's last album uh i didn't get like a royalties of it because i didn't write the lyrics on the song I didn't, I didn't i performed on it but as a guest vocalist and that was kind of like their plan to say you know look if things continue you are mapped on a suffo album so that way the next one's not so weird because we already have you on one, you know? So it's like, and it, that was the funniest thing too, is that half the fans couldn't even tell it was someone else. That's where the compliments started. That's where everyone was like, holy fuck, this is really sick. Frank, you sound so good there. And Frank would just say, hey, that's not me. That's that's Kevin. <laughs> fuck. You know, and, and it was a really cool feeling and things were moving. And uh, I think Decibel even did a huge like mid-magazine spread interview with Frank about how we kind of got to terms and how we got involved with each other. And it was a good stride. Um, But, yeah, I was with them for from 2017. No, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, it was like 15.
1: It was after Carnival of Death, so it was like 15 to 17. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we did a few tours. And it was just more like we had difference in opinions, difference in like living growth style, like just little things. So I, I decided to step out. But because I stepped out soon, people looked at it like I was a fill in. And it, oh, it kind of went yeah. down in history as that. Yeah. Uh, but it was a plan that I was going to be there for the hall. And being that I left, they got Ricky back. Just they, they sorted out whatever drama they had. And they've been just rocking since. Um, yeah.
0: Did you, you know, I think some listeners mightn't fully understand the level of, you know, when I say a, pioneer in the game that suffocation mm-hmm. really is
1: and to me they're top four yes. like everyone has their own top
0: four yes. but they're they, in mind they are like elite level you know um god tier in this in this style in the game when you mm-hmm. initially came in you know you said you had nothing to lose but was there any sense of pressure nervousness um because clearly you handled A bit. your shit you handled your shit
1: yeah well, very little. Uh, I was more pride filled mm-hmm. because the it, it it was just like you know the universe throws you a ball from time to time. It th- it throws you a slow one, and you just have to fucking hit it, you know. And I think that was my moment with that, where with with me doing suffo, my first tour was with Morbid Angel with suffo <sighs> with suffocation. It was Morbid Angel, suffocation, revocation, withered, and I there might be one other band on that. Hold on one sec. Let me have check this. I got my whole resume right here. Thank you. He, uh, yeah, it was just us four. Mm-hmm. Morbid Angel, Revocation Withered, stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that tour, I remember being told like, hey, the first tour we're going to do is going to be a cool one back. And I'm thinking like, yeah, we'll ease into it. It'll be sick. And dude, when I saw the flyer, I half shit myself. I was like, no fucking way. Are we doing this right now? You know, like now we're talking big four. That's two of us on one tour. And that was eye opening for me alone for the fact that when we did that tour, I went in with low expectation. Cause I was like, fuck, they're going to look at us like all the new guys. Cause we had just gotten Eric. Mm-hmm. Eric, I think that was his, I think that was his second tour with us. Cause I, cause Kevin Talley did Summer Slaughter. I think Eric. Oh no, that might have, I could be wrong. That might have been his first or Summer Slaughter was his first. I don't remember, but first or second tour. And then Charlie has been in the game with them for maybe just under a year. I know he did Soulfly tours with them and a few others. But with Morbid Angel, that was a whole new game for me mentally. But when we we started the tour, I think, in Florida, where we were like, holy shit, we're in their stomping grounds. Like, actually, where is it? It's right in front of me. I should stop guessing. It was... Yeah, 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 Orlando and then Tampa the next day. And that's like their stomping ground. So I was like, fuck, we're going to get stomped. Like in my mind, like it's never competitive, but it is some partially mentally. Like mm-hmm. you want to see a big reaction to your band versus the other bands. And I was just like, I want to know how we can make this tour pop. So I played it and we it was intense, but it was crazy to see in their hometown us get a bigger reaction than them. And to me, that blew me away. I was like, oh, fuck, we're in this now. Now it's go time. And every night on that tour was just a fun time between both bands. We had, you know, Trey from Morbid Angel would play with bags of trash on his stage because he wanted death metal to be grimy. So <laughs> he'd have these bags of trash. And towards the end of one show, I think it was Morbid's last day on the tour because we finished the tour without them like two weeks in. They, had, we, Their days off, we had other shows where mm-hmm. stuff headlined and revocation to direct support. But on their last day, we were taking the trash bags, fucking throwing them at the crowd, stage diving, going nuts. And it was such a fun time. But that's where I knew coming out of that tour, not seeing any hate on the Internet was a great feeling because, you know, everyone's where's Frank, where's Frank. But at the same time, no one was bashing me. It was just more for the old fans that want to see Frank. That's understood. You want to see your guy. That's totally fine. That's your era. But I mean, for the new era, like kids were I was getting a lot of praise on it and that felt fucking sick. That's where I was like, I'm gonna keep doing vocals regardless of where it is, you know.
0: Well it's also a hard thing, you know, any everyone knows that when there is a vocalist switch, um, there is two sides of that that as you mentioned, you know, there's the people that are like, no, we need the old, fuck the new, yeah. keep it the way it was. But then also there's the the stuff for you is that you want to make your mark. You want people mm-hmm. to know that you're in the band and remember right. that you're in the band. So, I mean, was that ever in your thought process? Because, you know, and I mean this as a compliment, it kind of come across as that you wouldn't have thought too much about that and you just did your thing and that was enough.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I knew my place mm-hmm. is the better way to say it. It's like, I'm up there singing songs that are older than me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Legion of Inveracity came out the year I was born. So, mm-hmm. or, you know, and... And the whole effigy of the forgotten, really. But like my favorite song, I would always say it every day was "Leeds" to play, cause it was it had it had the heavy, it had the slam in it. You know what I mean? It's the riff. And um, I found it interesting that I always tried my best to make those songs sound the way they sound on CD. I'm not here to change those songs. Anyone that's here doesn't want to hear my version of those songs. You know what I mean? Like I myself, as a fan, don't want to hear me do anything different than what's on that that album. You know, like um, there was a few things I would do like to some of the songs, but nothing too dramatic. Like Funeral Inception, my buddy Dan Kenny from Suicide Silence makes fun of me for it because in the beginning of the song, there's the whole blast beat part. And I do just like a low growl over the blast beat, just like let's sound it's just it gives it that feeling of like a tank running over fucking the whole crowd and. <laughs> it's it's been, in my mind. I think every concert's like a metalocalypse concert, like just <laughs> destruction, <laughs> explosives. But no, like uh, that moment. That was the only thing I've ever really altered their songs about. But the rest of the song would always be the same. But like any old school song, I'm trying my best to hit those enunciations the way he did on record. Like you gotta be clear in those moments. I'm not gonna do gutturals. I'm not gonna do fucking squeals in a band. It was never there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's why Mm -hmm. the fuck would I be the guy to put that there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, But, like, I think that's where the praise came from is people appreciated, like, the respect to the old school stuff. But now the songs on Of The Dark Light that were the newer songs, Frank didn't really have, like, he did the record. it, It sounded great. But even the parts that I did, I did that sounding like me. I didn't try to mock or sound like Frank on those parts. Cause I was like, all right, I want to, I want to have my voice in there. I don't want it to be, you know, the Frank Mullen replacement. I want to, I want to sound like we're standing out. So that's, that's the only time I ever tried to put my mark on it. My, my, my face on the picture is already enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need mm-hmm. my voice to, to, you know, I can deliver a show regardless and it's all about hyping the crowd up and having a good time and making sure, making sure they want to come back next year when we come back, that's really main prerogative.
0: When you when you had to you know when you decided to step away was was there a sense of like um, you tipped your cap that you know you can say that on your resume as a way of putting it you did suffocation and you were a part of suffocation for many years yeah and you got the fucking you got the tour passes I got my
1: this is going in my fucking uh, coffin with me bro like you know rockstat we played uh, Transylvania summer breeze. Uh, brutal assault. I played with Candlemass and Possessed and Vital Remains, Ozfest, Not fest, Black Dahlia Murder, like uh, Cataclysm and all, Cannibal Corpse, Nile. Like that whole dude, all of it. It's just all that in in its own experience was amazing. Um, I think I'm not done. Like I'm nowhere mm. near done, mm. and that's where to myself I don't feel any sort of like fuck. I shouldn't have fucking you know I shouldn't have left, but it's more like At that time for my life, I just wasn't in the right headspace to keep going where, you know, we were, I was talking about this with my brother yesterday. We were talking about like, what's your dream job? Is it your job that helps you pay for your dreams or is it the job that you don't like? It doesn't even feel like you're working because my brother works a job right now where he's like struggling throughout the day to get through it, but he gets a nice paycheck at the end to help him in his free time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: My thing is I need to be happy in that work time. Otherwise, I'm not – I can't keep going. You know, like, dude, the payoff would suffer was amazing. Get off stage and we're having a fucking party going on. But if there was any sort of, like, tuffle or arguments or things like that, it would bum me out deeply. And it was just like – me. we had little, like, never really problems. It was just, you know, people don't realize when you join a band at that level, you're now their roommates. You guys Mm. share the same shower food (laughs) Mm. you live together bro and it's it's a whole different experience and you know some people don't click and that was pretty much it and i don't want to get too specific into that but it was more an experience for me to learn for myself and i think my sanity respects me a little bit that i stepped back for the moment because at that time if i kept going I don't want to be the guy on the cover of Lamb Goat. Like, yeah, guy toppled over, blackout mm. drunk because of blood drama. Like, you know, I, I just knew for myself, I was like, I'm going to step out of this <laughs> and just kind of recollect. Well, I
0: mean, obviously the right thing. And, you know, I think a phrase that, you know, you mentioned there before about your brother and everyone listening, you know, the phrase I always say is you don't want to work to live. You need to live. No, you want to work to live, not live to work. You know, right. you, you it, really need to make and, sure. Uh,
1: there's a TV show I watch called Leonard Kenny and he says, mm-hmm. if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the one for me. And I think it's like, dude, if I can clock in and clocking in means I just walked onto a stage with thousands of kids and clocking out means I get to go party with those kids. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah. That's the job,
0: you know? So you it's know, a good time. You, you also mentioned, you know, no regrets and what a great time it was. And obviously when you left, there was clearly no diminishing your passion and your want because around this time, or maybe just before, Merciless started picking up gears again. Um, mm-hmm. 2017, it started doing shows, little shows here and there, you know, not much, but little shows here and there. Um, was it a case of, let's give this another crack <clears throat> at that stage? Like, what was the thought process? Because You're seeing in- the comeback. Well, when you started to come back, yes, because I also noticed something interesting was you guys posted around 2017 that you had an album done Mm -hmm. and then we never saw that. This is where
1: it gets interesting. mm. This is where it gets interesting. The album we're slowly releasing now is that album.
0: Okay, nice.
1: And and with that album – was a lot of interesting stuff because this was the time I was thinking about leaving Suffo. And now me and Charlie were like, hey, while we're home from tour, let's work on Merciless. And something happened where, you know, I would get in conversation with Charlie debating if I should leave or not, and this and that. But it was after we played a show. We played a show in Brooklyn with the with our friends, the machinist from you know out there in Queens. And we had such a good night. We got a little loose. We had some drinks. And me and Charlie were in the backseat of Matt's pickup truck on the way home. And it, we, it turned into one of those, like, drunk conversations that shouldn't have been had when you were drunk. And it turned into, like, a small scrap of, like, fuck you, man, and throw, like, like a high school fight that was over in three seconds. You know, it was just one of those things. He tried to give me tough love, tell me not to leave, and I treated it like he was the tooth— with the last nerve keeping it on and that little tuffle was the break of it you know i was just like fuck man i'm i gotta take a step back completely so when i stepped out of suffo it made things weird between me and charlie for quite some time and it was you know it's petty stuff it was never really anything where you know i never hated him he never hated me it was just kind of like we want to be friends, but we were avoiding each other for a little bit of time. And I remember being the one to break it through and be like, bro, look, like I don't hate you at all. Like let's get things back together. And i want I really want to make this work." And it took some time. And, and as we started getting our heads together, everything became more clear. Everything became more uh, representable and and professional. And now we have friends really helping us get this album moving. and you know, it's cool to see something that we've been putting time into. Like, we tracked that whole album ourselves in this room, and then we sent it to someone to get it just mixed and mastered, but, like, it's it's really important for us to make sure the release of this album is a success, or not as successfully launched, mm-hmm. not even saying number-wise, just really, like, out there so that way people can hear it and call it a hidden gem again, just like Armageddon, you know? Like, it'd be really cool for us to get that out. And it's cool that a lot of bands that... It's weird how time works, right? So it's like we put out that Armageddon stuff eight, nine years ago.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And a lot of the bands that are like established now looked at us as a band then. And now that they've grown and then we're coming back, we kept our caliber. Mm-hmm. We kept our like stature to them. They're like, holy shit, Merciless is coming back. So like I said, we're the band's band. We're excited to like our good friends and in ingested want to take us out on tours. When we go to EU, we got Last 10 that wants to take us out when we in the States uh another shout out to a band body snatcher it was really funny when i met those dudes because i didn't know who they were like i've heard of the band and i met their singer and wyatt from last 10 introduced us And he's like oh yeah he sings for merciless a band called the merciless concept and his face turned he's like what the fuck you sing for that band like we got to get connected like yeah do you guess vocals or it was just so cool to see that reaction in a band i never expected so there may be a lot more of those out there it's just getting the word out that we're back and we want to do business we're trying to tour we're trying to have fun we're trying to see some violence without closing down venues
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, i
1: just wanted to go nuts what
0: why you know you get it already in 2017 why did it take uh basically th- three maybe four depending when we see this album to see the line <laughs> of day and was there ever a thought now when you're getting things back together that you were just going to scrap that and do a whole new set of songs you know what was the thought uh the thought was really like we did the songs like i
1: said half the songs are already demo songs so that was already in the back we never want to scrap any of our songs but at the same time that this album the reason why i got Push back mainly is we we signed to a label called siege music and at that time they put out releases for last 10 seconds of life they put out releases for a band no zodiac mm-hmm. and uh i know there's some other bands in there face your maker Ma- face your maker was one of them um but what happened was just bad timing like we got our funding we were paying for the masters and we sent in a draft like hey look we're almost ready it'll be ready next week for the masters get it let's get it ready for launch I got an email back saying, yes, Star, we're not a label anymore. I was like, oh, sick. You know, like, and half the money that we needed to finish it was not coming to us. So we needed to come up with it out of pocket. And being with our little misconnections, who's going to front the bill? Hmm. You know what I mean? It was I wasn't going to pay a few grand out of my wallet just to pay for an album that may never get released. Mm. You know, I wasn't going to do that. So I, it, it was a weird, shitty process of us trying to get people together. And I think our lineup right now is the best and tightest we can get it. And we got our new bassist, Andrew Petway, and he kind of came in. He was a friend and fan of the band locally. And he just kind of said, look, I got funds right now. If you, if I can pay it up front, we can all ship it. You, we'll pay him back mm. in increments. And we did. And it only took... You know, a month and a half, two months to for us to get our shit together and pay for the masters. And once we had that in our control, we were like, all right, cool. Let's let's get a release plan going. Let's get a music video going. Let's get a you know, now we can make moves. We never own the masters for so for that whole time. So it was more just like us going, how the fuck do we make this work? You know, but now we have, you know, we just put out two songs and we have a new song coming out, I believe, on the 21st on Slam Worldwide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so it's I something mean- to look forward
0: to. I mean, it's got to be also an interesting thing for you now because you compare the industry now with releasing music and like we spoke about before, you know, the the trending and the buzzing and all this, you know, know, hashtags Mm -hmm. and stuff like this. It's got to be interesting now the way that you're approaching the release, not only of the singles, but the album when it does get its release um, compared to when Armageddon got released. Are you... Are you heavily involved in that, or are you trying to use some people? Because listeners, yeah, you do use people who have the knowledge and the ability. So, where are you at with gearing the release?
1: Well, right now we have um, we have labels that are interested. We have mm-hmm. a few labels that are interested, but it's more making sure that everything's going to come out correct. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can say yes to any small label, and then what your album's going to sit on their Bandcamp or Big Cartel for you know, the the next three years, it's all really about the distribution and where it's going to go. And like making sure the person you're working with has the right connections to really make the best thing work. So I think right now that's why we don't have like a final release date because we were going to self-release it and just throw it up, you know, digitally distributed and let people download it. But then it's like, you know, I know how this goes. We should make physical copies. We should do merch pre-orders and really get word going that way as well. So we're we're looking with a few labels right now. But hey, listeners that are out there, <laughs> throw me an offer, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. It's also an interesting time, um, and it would have obviously maybe come into your thought process is that we are in this shitstorm of a world that's going on right now. And a lot of bands are rethinking their releases. Some bands are saying, look, we're not going to release at the moment because we can't tour on the back of it. You know, we can't spread the word. So was there ever a thought in your head that, look, maybe we should just wait to release it because of what's going on in the world? Or you were like, actually, now's a good time because people might consume it.
1: I thought that. I thought that was the best option that we should get music out because, number one, these songs have been written for fucking years. You know what I mean? In my mind, I'm sick of them. Like I I I love them, but it's like I've heard them so much that I think for us to be strong as a band, we should be getting this music out and that we should be working on new shit. Like we should get in a room and just jam and get some ideas going. Cause like we have so many good ideas of really getting new like we have riffs. I have personally alone. 10 to 15 different demo tracks just sitting on my computer that may not be like perfectly scoped yet. But when I give it to the rest of the band, they're all going to put their shape on it. They're all going to make it look some or sound something sicker, way sicker than I thought. And it's like, what better way to get the word out right now when everyone's looking at their phones, everyone's looking at their computers, looking for some sort of release. And we put out that music video and it felt so good to see people like reawoke, in that feeling of holy fuck merciless is a band again that's a good feeling and i just want to keep up with that content and keep delivering to people you know we have the new singles coming out people are getting really good response decibel just put out an article for us uh for that last release Mm, ruin. and uh yeah that Mm. was a fun song for us especially having frank on the track Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's just it's things are aligning in a way that the good things are coming and uh we have another single coming out and then um once the release is out in my mind i'm like we should be ready to just drop this and just go write more songs i don't know why we're going to sit here and struggle and wait to put out old songs and then put backlog us more time to really sit and write with each other you know it's a different it's a it's an interesting thought especially no one's been dealt no one's dealt with this pandemic the way musicians have uh-huh. and no one's prepared for it so no one really knows the right answer but it's funny like I was on a phone call the other night with said label and they were, they were kind of giving us their opinion of like, yeah, I, I can't tell you everything's going to be perfect right now because you can't go out and tour and sell this album and really promote it. But at the same time, you know, these, this industry is still open. People are still making money from it. P you know, PR is still a thing. Spotify is still a thing. iTunes is still a thing. You know, merch is still moving regardless. People are, hungrier now than ever so like i know i'm getting like you know uh house what do they call it like, I'm i'm losing my cabin brain freedom. right now i'm trapped inside mm. uh you know cabin and I, yeah. cabin fever thank you mm. i was i almost said cape fever i'm like what the hell's going on <laughs> um anyway <laughs> i don't know i'm getting a cabin fever and it's like i can't wait for any show i don't give a mm-hmm. shit if it's an indie pop show i'll go just because i need to i need social interaction But I know people are feeling that way and even our merch store is doing well right now just putting up those first three designs based on the album, you know, and it's, I I want to continue seeing it go that route.
0: Well, I mean, for for everyone listening, you know, the title of the album you have released is Sessions of Pain. So they're going to have to, you know, keep their ears to the ground, their eyes to the medias. Um, I know I'll definitely make sure the moment we know about it that I'll spread about it. But, um, looking back on the album because you know it's been done for a while, what are you hoping or wanting people to know before it gets released? What are you hoping their <clears> takeaway <throat> is? You know, if you were about to say to someone, Here's this album, you need to listen to this because of three things. What are those three things? Basically, the simple little you know, this is brutal, heavy, and it's good. I mean that's a fucking
1: yeah, label, I mean honestly it? that's that's the way to say it, but mm. also like. I feel like what we were talking about before, how we were doing something different then, Mm -hmm. right, And in 2012. You know, bands had their own way of playing deathcore and death metal and yada yada. Like, there was—people had no connection to old-school, brutal death metal then. And for us, we always wanted to, like, give you a taste of, you know, a little slam riff but not be a slam band. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I— despise looking up the term slam band on on Google and seeing all the joke bands that pop up that are now looked at as serious bands. It drives me insane. Like, there's (laughs) the, I don't know. Anyway, but it's like I loved waking up and going on the internet and finding bands that were like brutal slam bands, but they gave you that thing that lets you know that's them. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. everyone knows that you hear a fetus riff. You know what that sounds like, you know? And you, you, oh, that's a suffo part. Oh, that's a You know, that's totally like a Morbid Angel sound. There is no new band to me that has that. Everything is kind of like washed together in this same, you know, copy paste culture of bands where like 90% of the bands on there have fake drums. 90% of the bands have their vocals faded or affected or something. And everything is like going through a guitar plugin or not saying Kempers are bad, like the Kemper amplifiers, but it's like 90% of the shit is not even happening. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's more than then when I on my Twitch stream, I'll always talk about but kids will recommend me bands through the chat and I'm known to be a little like I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say a band's cool because mm-hmm. we've played them before. Like I just I like showing a band and being like, all right, now let's see if they pass the live test and I'll pull up a YouTube video of the same song and see how it sounds. Nine times out of 10, I'm very disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. You know, when you got backing guitar tracks and you got two guitarists on stage, and there's a solo being played by no one. You know, it's like you have the solo playing through the fucking PA, and two dudes are going bum 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 bum. It's like, dude, figure it out, man. (laughs) Play the fucking solo, or don't put it in. It drives me insane. And I don't know. That's just that's just a new wave shit. But for me, I think Merciless is gonna provide you a raw fucking sound that you may have been missing. You may have never heard, and it's just going to be raw, live energy. And I, that's why I give it, I, I tip my hat to the hardcore community. You got bands like Vane, Sanction, that are just like straightforward, pissed off. And you know what you're getting into as soon as you, you hear their feedback when they first start plugging in their shit. You know, it's like you, 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 you are about to embrace something, you know, and I want that to be brought to the death metal community by us. And I think we definitely have that sitting and hibernating for eight years you know now we're ready to really <laughs> let the fuck out you know and it's gonna be something fun dude i
0: mean i just you know my love for armageddon um is out out of this world so i mean i'm just based off it's really cool
1: to hear we don't get a lot of that
0: you know it's like we get a lot of well of course no one's really talking about it right now but it's we
1: get people that i see the listens on it and stuff but like you said it's such a small knit under the Radar album, you know, it was only released on like European distributors' mm. websites. Like it was on like European beatdown sites, and uh, for Fight for the Causes, uh, I think they had a big cartel at the time, and that was it. We didn't really, weren't in stores or nothing.
0: Well, I mean, the, I, I knew, think. you know, um, big love and shout out to my boys from England in Malavance, and you know, mm. I went. Those are the homies. Yeah, I mean, Alex, my boy. Um, I knew it had more than just, you know, I'm a stupid little music nerd. So I knew it had more than my spread when I saw them boys getting into it, you know, a couple of years ago and they were spreading about it. And I was like, see, I know people like this, you know, I, you know, so the new stuff, ruin and suffering humanity are just, I mean, you know, I know one of those is really old.
1: <laughs> Every song is adrenaline filled. Mm. There's never a song that we're writing. That's like passive. You know, like, every song, like, you know, we have a formula in our heads, and that's what we call it, merciless. Like, yeah, that is what we would do. Um, But, like, it's very, yeah, like, driving force. You know, we don't want to have, like, a boring song. We don't want to have filler tracks. Like, there's going to be every one of our songs we can, you know, put up on a board and throw a dart at it blind and say, yep, that'll be our single, and we'll be just as happy with it. Because we're not putting half fast energy into any song. Mm. Want it to be fucking intense. And that, and I think that's something malevolence does well. Also every Mm. song of theirs, Mm. there's no filler tracks on their shit. They're, they're sweating on every song they play.
0: Well, I'm stoked for it, man. And, um, I can't wait to finally see a release date. Um, as Mm -hmm. we said, guys, seasons of pain, um, hopefully soon rather than later sessions. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you're good. Um, You're good. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked. Um, now, Kevin, what we're going to do, we're going to wrap things up in a sexy manner, in a silly manner. Nice. Um, nice. Everyone gets this. Now, it's called pick your poison. Now. Here we go. What we do is I give you two options. You pick your favorite of the two. You don't mm. need to justify your answer. But if you worry that someone's going to call you out for your answer, go for it. Okay? Okay. So, pizza or burger?
1: I had a burger yesterday. That is tough, especially where I live. Mm-hmm. There's so many good pizza spots.
0: That actually might take a second. Fuck. I think we might have just. Can I, I piggyback it? this off you? No, I no, this Off you? No, it's all, right. all you. It's all me. I think we might have just, just gonna... broken you on the first one. It's, some people break. Like we do, we break people with it.
1: Well, I mean, to me, like I'm like I went through eras of my life as such like a real beer and burger connoisseur, mm-hmm. and like that's why on tour with Suffo, they would they would call me out to lunch, Muller, because <laughs> say just after we finished load in, right? We finished sound check, load in, and now we got five hours to kill. I'm gone. I'm at the fucking barbecue joint up the road. I did all my research. I'm like, this place has this on draft. They have this type of, you know, burger, uh, you know, all the shit, dude. Brisket. Let's go. Um, I might have to go with. I might have to go with burger. OK, OK. I might have to go with burger. I do a little medium rare blue cheese crumble mm-hmm. tomato little mayo on the bun medium rare. That's it salt and pepper that's all you need
0: i can't guarantee they're gonna get easier but you know um, <laughs> here we go ribs or brisket brisket easy <sighs> that was easy risotto yeah or pasta risotto okay is that like
1: a type of pa- i feel like i'm just blanking on the word
0: risotto is um it's the rice pasta dish that is you know like you cook it down with the broth and the
1: other option was what pasta Pasta,
0: easy. Okay.
1: Anything with rice in it can go. It's, it's, except burrito
0: bowls. Ooh. Okay. Chicken or beef? Beef.
1: I'm going through a thing with chicken right now where I think I'm partially allergic, but I don't know how true that is. It's just like I get these crazy stomach cramps. Like I love wings. Like I have a spot near me. Shout out to Dirty Burger. Uh, the dude is on like, um, all the different cooking network shows he's on beat bobby flay and all that stuff Mm. and he like has all these awards so he has this spot right here and it's in a shop small little shopping mall and their wings come i'm not even fucking with you like a like you know the small part the wing and the leg part the wing part is this fucking big and this wide so you get a little crack pull the whole thing off the bone it's amazing um but I just get these wicked stomach cramps. And I don't know if it's like, there's people that say like anything with a chicken enzyme you can be allergic to if, if you're having that sort of symptom, which I found weird. But the more I looked into it, it could be a thing. Mm. But beef, I like beef, roast beef, burgers, you know, any sort of steak that you got way more variables with
0: that. What about a soft taco or a crunchy taco? <sighs>
1: I can give you a hybrid answer. I usually I get a cheesy gritty to crunch from Taco Bell every time. It's a soft, racco, a soft taco wrapped around a crunchy taco with cheese glued them together. But if I really had to pick one, probably soft taco just for the, the lack of mess. Nothing's worse than when you pick up a crunchy taco and the whole bottom cracks and everything falls out. out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a mess. It's a um, goddamn mess. What about smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Allergic to both. Way that simple. Simple, yeah. Okay, super simple. <laughs> what about coffee or tea?
1: That is another tough one. Uh, on tour, you will only see me drinking tea or whiskey, mm-hmm. but um, or, or beer. Uh, I like to drink coffee, but I can't drink too much of it. Tea, I can drink a whole shitload of. And you can put a lot of honey and flavors in tea. I like mm-hmm. the black
0: raspberry teas.
1: That's so fucking tough.
0: Why do you do this to people? <laughs> for, uh, this, for this exact moment. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say... Fuck. I love, like, uh, shout out to Malacca Coffee. Nick Marrero made his own... He, he tour manages for Black Dahlia and Testament. He made his own coffee brand. If there's any... He's going to watch this and love this, but hold on. He made his own coffee brand, and here's this idiot on a mug. Shout out to Malacca Coffee. Hey. But, uh, <laughs> he tormented for us and stuff and everything else, but no, he, uh, um, I love like the toast. I love that toasted marshmallowy caramelly flavor of coffee, but I love the berry flavor and tea. That's why it's so hard for me to pick one. If like the world ended right now, what
0: would be my last drink? I'd probably go coffee.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Now next one should be simple. Well, I'm thinking it should er- be, um, do you want to have a dinner at home or dine out?
1: I feel like they, yeah, that's, that is tough because I love going out to eat. Uh, I would. Are you talking about takeout? Like, are you saying like would Would you rather have a home cooked meal or go out to eat?
0: Go out to eat. Go out to eat.
1: No, 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 I'm saying, but the other option, the other option you're saying, like
0: Oh, well you... it could be it could be either takeaway or you're sitting sitting in okay. somewhere to Okay, Because I
1: usually hate takeaway because you know when you order fries and you take them home, they suck. Yep. They, they're just they're already soggy. There's just something incorrect with the way that shit's done. Um someone needs to invent a new way to travel with fried goods. <laughs> um But yeah, I, I do really like a home cooked meal, only for the fact of like I know if I, I like to cook passively. Like I like to, you know, my, my family makes fun of me cause I'll like, I'll just be making like a Turkey melt, but I'll make my own honey mustard out of it. And I'll make, you know, I'll sit there with like seasonings and shit and mix something up that tastes amazing. Meanwhile, while you know at a restaurant that shit's already half-cooked or pre-frozen or something. Like, you know, you go to a chain. It's like you want a burger. You ask for medium-rare. That shit comes out medium-well because it's already been stowed away and way. It's just there's something about it. But if you're going to go out nice and dine out somewhere nice and you get that nice experience, that's also really good. But if I had to, I would eat home more because I know I can get the consistency.
0: Now, what about um, a new movie when it comes out? Are you going to go to the cinema to watch it? Or only, gonna... Star
1: only Star Wars. Big... Only Star Only Star. Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars, I have to be there on the first day because it's like seeing a concert. Everyone reacts. Everyone's into it. People are dressed up. Uh, I feel like there hasn't been a new movie that has my attention in the last four or five years.
2: Mm.
1: Like, what's your favorite movie in the last four or five years? Like, I'm talking favorite. What's something you can watch on repeat?
0: Mm, there's only one. And it's what's the that? only one I can think of. The John Wick stuff.
1: I haven't even seen John Wick. Is that bad? Should I go watch John Wick? Yeah, get into it, man. Get into
0: it. it, it just I've for been the, told. Just for the fight scenes alone, man. But just then, for the fight what scenes. It, have,
1: can, can I challenge you to do something? Can you watch that and then go watch Bill and Ted's new movie,
0: Back to Back? The new one? <gasps>
2: oh. Yeah. See, I could watch the so classic. That
1: way, see, that way you see Keanu Reeves kicking mm. ass and then the next movie not being able to say words right.
2: Yeah,
0: see, I'll give you that. Like, cause look, I love the first one, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, sure, yeah, but I, I don't love Boka's Journey. I, I rewatched that recently. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, that was a horrible yeah. one. It's tough.
1: It's like Dumb and Dumber 2 when they made mm. that new one. It's like it was good but not as good, you know.
0: Mm. I have no All faith right, in this new Bill and Ted's. I'm sorry. I've watched the trailer a couple of times and the trailer doesn't even sell me. All right,
1: so just do that. Mm. I was just going to say go watch John Wick and then go watch the trailer mm. and just try to let that sit. <laughs> Something's not going to feel right. <laughs> That's just like, you know, Keanu's kicking ass and taking names. and then, But, yeah, dude, for me, like the only kind of movie that grabs me now Is like maybe horror movies, but we all know horror movies have been ass for the last fucking. We keep getting these purge movies as if they're horror movies. It's like ooh, someone's gonna kill you, and then see the 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 sequel comes out. Oh, they're gonna kill you again. It's like I'm not afraid of like those like. I like slasher movies where you're you you, they give you reasons to be afraid. Like this dude can haunt you in your fucking dreams. Like there's there's a thing that you you're not expecting where the purge is like. There's strangers in my fucking house. Get them out. Like, you know, the whole concept, I I can't get into it. That's like a a bad video game design. But, like, uh, if they came out with a new The Thing, I would Mm. fucking jump all over it, which rumor, I was just on the internet the other day, there's someone that's adapting uh, one of their novels, Frozen Hell, which is based around The Thing.
2: Mm.
1: So it's, like, takes place, I don't know if before or after, but, like, that is some shit I can get into. Okay.
0: Yeah, um uh, but yeah I, I, there's not a lot of new movies that got me pulp fiction reservoir yeah. dogs yeah i mean they're classics i mean my um, last thing on those is that i think one of the problems we have is we get very little new content a lot of it is just reworked reimagined re-updated
1: not spit out it's and, the worst
0: and no one mm. like
1: no one wants these remakes like mm-hmm. no one's going out. There. I kind of wish they'd bring back those shitty surveys. You know, you'd get emails and shit. Like, do you want? It? You know, even YouTube doesn't on ads. But like, what was it, dude? It's like there's there's never like, like no one asks for the new RoboCop. Oh. No one asked, asks for the new Judge oh. Dredd. Oof. No one asks for those. And it's just someone's shitty idea in Hollywood to go. Let's take a really good movie and make a really bad version of it.
0: Let's um, not. Let's not forget Total Recall as well Mm mm-hmm yep ruined it like Like
1: why like why would you go there you know and like even star wars was a stretch but they saved it in my opinion like i would say episode seven the the force awakens was good but then the other two that you know they just started changing directors and the story changed and they just kind of lost their way in it and then they ended it weird i don't know if you watch the star wars movies
0: i'm not but... i mean i've watched them but i'm not a um and a lot of listeners get angry when i say i'm not a diehard fan Yeah, you know, i'll watch them yeah you know but... No, but
1: you know what that is you get people that have never seen it before or they mm. can't live without it you mm. know there's never mm. really that in between mm. where there's people you know it's just the people that love it love the lore of it mm. loving that like it really dives deep and you if you read a book back in between the movies you're like oh my god they're doing the thing like that's that's people's attachment to it but like i'm not even on that level like i love like i have a stormtrooper helmet back there just because i think stormtroopers are badass even though they can't hit shit but like <laughs> uh i just love the evilness of star wars where it was supposed to be like a a, a rock opera oh. or not a rock opera, you know what i mean a, a space opera but like they have this fucking evil character and I don't know if your listeners are heavy Star Wars people, but I hope they'll agree with me by saying Rogue One was probably be- one of the best Star Wars movies ever because they give you a taste of how evil Darth Vader is because there's a scene in it where literally it it's like a segue scene that goes into the, A New Hope, which was the first Star Wars movie ever. But you see him literally just slicing the shit out of all the the people like on the ship that he's invading. And he's doing it by himself, like no army behind him. He's just walking past like 40 dudes, zoom, zoom, takes a dude, throws him to the ceiling, slits his throat, moves forward. Like he's like what I think a breakdown riff should have as a video playing behind him, like bum, 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 just fucking going nuts. And it was so sick. And I remember being in the movie theater like, yes, this is what we want, you know? And But there's never there's never like movies that do that. Like, whoop! I'm going to ask you a question. What is your favorite – I have a scene for the answer already. I have an answer for Mm. my own question. But, like, what was your favorite revenge scene? Do you have any sort of, like, movie that you can think of that you're like, this is insanely brutal, but it's so good?
0: can't think of one off the top of my head, but my all-time favorite movie as a kid and still to this day, which – Everyone listening, it is a fucking Christmas movie. Is Die Hard. <laughs> is Die Hard. Die Hard's
1: a great movie. It's a Christmas movie.
0: Yeah. Come and on
1: down. Have a few
0: laughs. I think that, you know, there's not very, very many revenge moments in it. But the,
1: Well, um, yeah. I mean, the end of the movie is just yeah, a good he, payoff. Like, yeah, you're going through the, the whole story with them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. What's yours? Mine, last hill on the uh, last house, house on, on the, the left. left. Mm-hmm. Dude, that whole ending scene has so much tension build up because you know the the horrific you know molestation scene in the movie and then like you feel so bad for the girl and the and the family is such shitty people and then they they end up staying a night in the house of the family that they molested the daughter and now you know all this but they don't know and you're just like oh if only they fucking knew and then they find out and then you watch all hell break loose mm-hmm. and have you seen the movie mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, like the ending scene when the fucking guy paralyzes him and puts his head in a microwave, like just that feeling of like "fuck you, you deserve this" is mm-hmm. such a good feeling. That movie and uh, even like *The Departed*, the very end of *The Departed*.
0: <sighs> yes, when Fuck
1: when me. uh Mark Wahlberg yes. is just in a plastic bubble suit and uh-huh. <laughs> and what's his name? Matt Damon's like "fuck man," like bang. <laughs> it's that those feelings where it's like it's all pent up and then the release is perfect. That's like what people should be putting into their fucking music. Fuck, but yeah, yes. movies are shit
0: now. Um, okay. So we got a couple more before we get to some music ones, and I think the music ones we'll probably find the hardest. But um, Okay. Cat or dog? That's really tough. If I had – I have two cats and a dog,
1: but my whole life I was a dog person, and I hated cats only because I thought I was supposed to hate cats. <laughs> like my whole family, we never had them – And then my mom found one. I used to have giant Akitas. Like, I just had, I love big dogs. Right now, I have a great dame named Zeus. He's amazing. But, like, he's at my mother's house. I wish I could show him. But, um, yeah, no, I always had big dogs, cats. We found one, brought it into the house, and then I was like, I guess I'll have to babysit this thing. And then one day, it laid on my stomach and looked in my eyes. And I was like, well, now I love cats. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I would have to choose dogs Mm -hmm. if I had to choose
0: okay now i know you're you're a pc gamer but xbox or playstation if you had to
1: playstation easy
0: yeah that's my man
1: first one it was it was the longest one to be free online Mm -hmm. it has the most stable online servers minus the whole hacking thing in ps3 times Mm. graphics have always been superior in the last few generations ps4 ps3 um actually xbox 360 did have some some games that were better on there, but even PlayStation was ahead in the VR shit with the PlayStation Move controllers. Mm-hmm. Dude, I played that ping pong game for hours because you can play real physics ping pong on professional difficulty. I, I'm not that good at ping pong in real life, I should say, but like me and my buddy would do drunk ping pong competitions, and we'd have a bottle of whiskey and we'd throw a dollar for every time I win on his side and you know, we would have stacks of just singles on the floor, just hammered, just playing and sweating. It was insane. And uh, yeah, even still, like, I think this PS5 release uh, versus the Xbox release always, they're at they're, PlayStation's exclusives are always so much cooler. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's really like, what do you got? Halo on Xbox? We got Halo. Gears of War Ge- went
0: to shit three games ago. Yeah, you beat me too. I was going to say, Gears of War and Halo are the only ones really. That's I the mean, two that's... that come to mind. What does PlayStation got?
1: Uncharted, God of War, Metal Gear Solid, until the later series I know went to Xbox. But I'm talking, I had PS1, PS2, PS3, uh, you know, SOCOM even. You know, and I'll go even that old, say SOCOM was a perfect game. Uh, what else is there? I'm trying to think right now. Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. I know people are on the fence with Forza. Forza is a little more ar- arcade mm. but like Gran Turismo is a driving simulator. And then, uh, what's another one? Oh my God, I have another one right on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, that whole that whole like, the the Sony exclusives of Last of Us.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. I,
1: although I know that a lot of people had an uproar about the second one. Yeah, apparently, was. it wasn't so good.
0: Yeah, there was. Which is, it's just people. Too many people got an opinion on, and they honestly
1: in you know. my in my brain, like they could have stopped after the first one.
0: You really didn't need to
1: know anything more than that.
0: You yeah. know, it's just a money spinner, really. At the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, Naughty Dog hasn't been making good money since Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> wow, <laughs> let's just say. I think that's the same company, it right? Is. Naughty Dog. It is. And then uh, they made. I think they also did Uncharted. People want a new Uncharted. I'm sure.
0: Well, they're, they're, apparently they're turning it into a movie too, um, with Tom Holland of Spider Man. Really,
1: being like the guy from Uncharted.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, just just stir on that for the rest of your day. I would see. I, mean, yeah, I would see the guy from 300 being a better dude. Gerard Jared Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good but, I mean, I think Gerald Butler's a bit old. That's the only problem. What's that? I think he might yeah, be considered metal. a bit old. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Ooh, Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia, Murner? I'm so sorry, Trevor.
1: I'm going to have to go Cannibal Corpse. Only for the fact that, like, you're talking two Metal Gear top catalogs. But, like, Cannibal Corpse has just been there always for me where... It's fucking, dude. The wretched spawn, uh, fucking, all of. I almost wore a countable shirt today, fucking tomb and the mutilated, amazing, amazing stuff. Black Dahlia. I love those guys personally. I was more only into their first album though. I forget what it was called. Unhallowed. Yeah, that one. Mm. I like that one, and I love the new one that we toured with them with. Fucking uh, Nightbringers, right? Yeah, Nightbringers. Whatever, whatever, whatever that one was. Yeah, that's Nightbringers. Yeah, yeah, that one. That one has a hit on every track. Yeah,
0: um, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Okay. Um, where am I? I'm lost. Dimmu or Be- Behemoth? Probably Behemoth. I, but it's that's a tough one though because
1: I, I, what I listen for, I, I compare music to what people watch movies for. Like mm-hmm. I know what the the artist is getting at. Like we don't watch triple x for like the love story you know what i mean like we watch triple x for the fucking explosions mm-hmm. and the fight scenes so like i know what i'm looking for in a band mm-hmm. so like i know behemoth has more like heavy riffs where dimu has more intense epic riffs you know what i mean like what's the song uh oh fuck from dimu where they had that they uh oh it's gonna kill me right now they have the chorus behind them live and um uh, the chick has that singing part in it Oh my God! It's gonna Ooh, kill me. My I whole know. band's gonna
0: kill me for this because we all. And, uh, I know the one you're talking about, but like
1: it's. Uh... If I literally look it up on YouTube, it might be my last search result. Gateways is the song, dude. The live recording that Nuclear Blast has on, uh, on their website is just insane. Oh jeez, yeah, but yeah, it's just nuts. Gateways is the Dimmu song. That if, if it was a vote versus song versus song, Dimmu might win, because I don't really know a lot of behemoth songs personally, but I've just heard a lot of heavier stuff from Behemoth.
0: Yeah, I think either way, no matter who you pick, they're both very legendary. Like you can't yeah, of you course. can't go wrong. And it's the same with mm-hmm. the most of these, Cannibal Corpse, Black Dahlia, all of them. You can't really go wrong. Yeah. Um yeah. now next one I think might be a difficult one, or it should be. Dying fetus or death.
1: If everyone knows who I am on this podcast, they, they know I'm gonna choose Fetus, but only for the reason of they've been in my life more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh Death, I respect them for what they've accomplished and created. Uh pioneering a sound in which so bands like dying fetus can be a thing, <laughs> you know? So I mean, but dying fetus has gangster riffs, so <laughs> that's really the difference, you know. Uh I love have you ever have you ever used the band? In a to a girl when you're trying to explain why you love death metal.
0: Yeah, I did in the past. Yeah. Who have you used as a band? I used Dying Fetus. Exactly, because mm.
1: I knew girls that like liked hip hop and like type of music like that, and I would put on your treachery dies. Uh, uh, was it dies with you? Your treachery dies with. Is, is that, yeah. Am I dies saying dies the name of the you. song? Yeah. So at the end of the song, boom boom boom, come mm. boom bum, mm. And dude, there is nothing harder than that or like the or the chorus part of schematics so trying to segue and cross over hip-hop to brutal death metal fetus does it for me dude shout out to trey for calling what was it he used to call merciless concept east coast wigger slam <laughs> <laughs> that was his nickname for us well i also but,
0: you know i've said it a couple of times on the show um to listeners would have heard me say this before but if you if you aren't really into that kind of music I mean, and you want an album to go to that's kind of relatively modern, I would say Go to fetus' most recent wrong one to fuck with. And if you cannot yeah. if you cannot bob your head along to pretty much 90% of those tracks, yeah. I don't know what's, what's wrong with seeds you. Seeds
1: of the Stain. Seeds of the Stain is like my favorite on that album. Yes.
0: Well, I love the title uh, track too. Title tracks.
1: Fucking oh, yeah. Insane. All of it is sick. I actually have... Oh, fuck. Where is it? I have the dying fetus knife from that album.
0: <gasps> Get it.
1: Pre-order item. Yeah. Hold on. Right here. Look at this shit. Oh, yeah. Fuck yes. And I, I remember John came on to- came on the bus with us uh, right after my first Suffo show was at the Auto Bar in Baltimore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, he came up on the bus. It was me, John Gallagher, Hobbs, and a few others. And I was like, sick, man. I pre-ordered that knife. And I was like, so what are you gonna do when you see the first news article of a kid doing a stabbing in a school using a dying fetus knife? He's like, Fuck man, don't say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really tried to like freak him out a little bit. But dude, it's such a it's such a badass item. It
0: is. It is. Oh talk
1: about merch pre orders, bro. That's that's one way to get people to buy.
0: It is, man. It, that's that's forward thinking. That's forward thinking. Yeah. Um, For sure. And only Dynastatis could probably get away with it, really. I mean, a lot of other bands would have gotten I mean, I've
1: had local bands. There was a band out here that sold machetes, and they had their logo engraved. It said, I think it was a band called No Fucking Chance. And they had NFC on the the blade. But you got to remember, they sold them at shows right (gasps) at the top of the merch table. So, like, if someone wanted to go fucking ham, they could just pick that thing up and go slicing and dicing. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs)
0: We there's some intense shows in the past. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah. Jeez, that's the sound bite right there. Fucking hell. I never thought anyone would try and... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Okay, last couple. Oh, actually, last music one before we do the last couple. Uh, just based off their original album, um, and I guess technically one... Yeah, it might have been an EP. You can go off their EP, maybe. Uh, Suicide Silence or Whitechapel?
2: Hmm.
0: That's tough too.
1: I would say throughout their career who did it best for me was probably Suicide Silence. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Dan Kenny and Eddie and them and Mark. And uh, those those dudes have tried their best to keep it going, especially with the cards they've been dealt where Whitechapel has all their cards and don't know what to do with it. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know when's the last time you heard anything cool about phil bozeman or like like i loved old school Whitechapel, like semitic defilement
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh i'm even still mad at them for the idea what's that track the fall of the hypocrites mm-hmm. it's a secret track on a in I, this is where i get brutally honest with my viewers on twitch it's like dude that in my opinion in just my opinion i hate everything from that era on because it's all Mm. the same bouncy open note whatever stuff you want to call it and but then their hidden track is a brutal death metal song Mm. like i don't know if you've heard of it uh, Mm. if you've heard that song yeah it's fucking an ass beater from top from start to finish and it's like showing you yeah we know what you want we know what you know don't worry like fuck you and fuck what you want like we're gonna play this one song and it's gonna be sick but the rest of the fucking album is gonna be this boring slow shit. Uh, not a fan. Good kudos to them for doing this whole like, what's what's the valley? Yeah, like they're they're breaking Mm -hmm. out of that death metal world. I just, from a viewer standpoint, it looks like they're just bored of the genre they helped create. You know, like in the death, like you have your big four in death metal, but then in deathcore you have, you know, your Oceano, your Whitechapel, your Suicide Silence, your Despise Icon. You know, Carnifex and bands in that era, but it all looks like they're breaking out of it. They all Mm. are sick of it. You know, Mm. where you look at Cannibal Corpse, Deicide, Morbid Angel, they're fucking still locked in trying to write the heaviest shit ever. And I'm curious like, whoever invented the term mature sound, like Mm. for becoming a more mature sound, you've heard bands say Mm. that. I don't know what the fuck that means. You know, like, we all play brutal death metal. What is that? Like, we talk about slitting parts of bodies off of each other and, like, playing the most insane, fast shit. Why would you break away from that? You're, you know, you're so strong on one side. Like, Semitic Defilement literally talks about sewing organs shut so that way you can never fuck again. Then they're talking about, I don't even know what their new lyrics are about, but it's just more like so passive, calm, like it just looks bored, and I don't know if anyone's seen them in the last few years. We played with them at Summer Breeze, and it was just such a weird experience. It wasn't there was no adrenaline. Mm. He didn't. No one looked like they wanted to be there, and they're playing no. the same four songs. Like to me, one song sounds like the same song over and over and over again.
0: You know, and yeah. just for
1: a musician's side, that that just hurts to watch. And
0: I will be honest, you know, I'm like you. I, I watch a lot of on on the YouTube, and I've seen a lot of the recent stuff, and it does look like a band that <laughs> I hate saying it don't give a shit. They don't want to be there. They're just
1: locked in. Yeah. They, that's, that's their income and they don't yeah. know what to do outside of it. Yeah. You know, like, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that's how they are. I know, I know they're great people. I know Ben in that band is super, super rad dude. But like, I just know from a listener standpoint, what, people wanted out of them now now i know people are still buying their records i know people are still doing going to their shows if they're around so it's like who am i to fucking say anything like that they're they're running their business the way they want and so forth so be it like you can keep doing that but i'm just it. it's just mentally to me it's weird to hear it imagine four albums from now you're gonna hear merciless like with clean vocals and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's it just it's the same angle though you know what i mean mm-hmm. like Semitic defilement every song was fucking insane insane brutal slam deathcore, all mixed in the same pot and even tony Ta- uh, tony danza's tap dance extravaganza oh, what a Ome- man. Uh, mm. that album what is it uh, Al- uh omega three or whatever yeah, they called yeah,
0: it th- yeah three was nickname, the song three. with
1: alex from despise and him on the track mm-hmm. is insane and you can see that's where their like attention was but even watching interviews with like phil versus interviews with alex Alex is totally still in the scene. He's totally still involved in bands, and he wants to find heavy shit. Like, look at that Despise Icon tour, the tour they did out there. It was Vulvodynia, Malevolence, Despise Icon. They're trying to stay relevant as well as enjoy the music that's out there, you know? And with Whitechapel, like, even any interview you talk to Phil, it's like, you yeah, know, I don't know. I don't even really like metal. I don't listen to a lot of death metal. I just... Kind of listen to R&B and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, what's in there, dude? What What is in there that's making you write more albums, though? Like, I'm trying to figure out where you're coming from.
0: You know? It's I just, feel, for it's, me, it's, it, it's weird. It might be, we need to do this. Not that I want to do this.
1: Yeah, but that yeah. but that's what I'm saying it is. Mm. You know, it's like designing a roller coaster when you've never been on one.
0: You know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> what it
1: looks like. Yeah. You know, it's just such a weird thought process. But it's it, it, it's weird to watch it when you see someone talking about it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean?
0: Oh, dude, I, I think you've, yeah, you know, yes, it, it's your opinion, but I, you know, back a lot of it. Um, yeah. No offense to the guys, they're probably nice guys. Yeah, um, they're
1: nice guys and they're successful and kudos to them. Hmm. If people are buying your shit, good job. But I mean, for myself, I just I want to be wearing Whitechapel shirts again, knowing it's about fucking brutality
0: behind it. You know what I mean? Um. All right, we've got four left. Four. Now, one... Big four. Yeah, one, I guess, let's just say you go to a show. Do you want to see stage dives or mic grabs happening? Probably stage... Stage dives. Okay. Stage
1: dives, just because it's intense. You see people climbing the rafters and doing front flips off and stuff. Mic grabs are cool, but after a while, it just gets annoying. Like, depends on what kind of band. If it's a hardcore band... Everyone just throw the mic into the crowd and watch everyone beat the fuck out of each other. It's fine. (laughs) But, like, with death metal stuff, I'm there. I want to see the vocalist perform. Mm -hmm. I I don't want, like, a kid that just heard the song on YouTube a week ago just, "Ah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just guess the words. He's like, oh, fuck, I have the mic. But regardless, uh, an an energetic show is a good show, regardless of what's going on.
0: Very true. What about you when you go to a show? Do you watch it from the pit or by the sound desk? Depends on the band. Okay. Let's Uh, go. Let's say one of your old time faves it's a cannibal show let's say
1: cannibal show i'll probably watch like if i had the chance side stage is so sick but like up by the soundboard is sick because just the way their sound is is so thumping like mm. they're a bunch of old school guys that have that driving force sound where you know what's the song um evisceration
2: plague
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Just hearing that, like, the resonance coming from the stage, it hits you in a way. It's so sick. Um, but, like, there's bands that when you want to just sit and really absorb it, that's when I sit down. But, like, there's there's only a few bands that will take me out of, like, what I call mosh retirement, you know? Because, like, like, I like a lot of, like, beat-down hardcore bands. Bands that, like, they don't play big shows, but they have this massive fucking sound... Uh, I'm going to do a a few shout-outs. Cold Hard Truth from the UK. Mm. um, Enemy Mind from Pittsburgh. A new band called Watcher from Pittsburgh. When those bands play shows, I haven't seen Watcher yet. They just formed up. But once I... Like, I will be swinging my limbs in a way that might damage other people. But... I just, there's so much of an adrenaline, like fetus, for example, I'll be moshing, I'll be up front, I just need to, like, I want people bumping off of me just like, fucking yeah, <laughs> just like blast beats going insane, but like, other than that, if it's just like a cool production, like aside I'll sit for, I just want to watch, you know, uh, like, the, it's, yeah, something that you can really sit and appreciate, well, I'll sit for, but if it's like mosh heavy riffs the whole time and I'm into it,
0: I'm in. Now the next one, you need one to go with the other technically, I guess, but, you know, tour for the rest of your life or record music for the rest of your life?
1: Tour for the rest of my life or record music? Mm -hmm. So you had to choose one. Yeah. That's so tough. At this point in my life, I would say tour, Mm -hmm. more for the fact of just sightseeing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing cooler than touring. Um being in different countries like I got to tour in February right before the drop of you know the pandemic and we got to go to France Italy Belgium and uh, not Italy did we go to Italy no uh, not Italy no we went to France Germany Belgium Paris I know France is Paris but you know two different spots we played but um dude it was such a good time and I think if I was just home recording albums there'd be part of me really missing that mm. where if I was on tour you can have content still being put out, live videos,
2: Mm.
1: live sessions, whatever. So you'd still be doing all right from that. I would say I'd travel and perform versus record albums.
0: Okay. Now, last one, you know, you can only listen to the album in one way, but I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album, and this is the only triple one. Are you going to have it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Now, whichever you pick is how you have to listen to it keep that in mind forever forever it's the only way so if you pick vinyl you can only ever listen to that can album we can on we vinyl.
1: be specific of on the phone because this that's a tricky part of the question where did okay. it come from
0: it's from a streaming service okay okay so you you can download it to your phone basically yeah
1: are we talking like a, apocalyptic are we talking like you know there's still bluetooth speakers around
0: Yeah, everything's still around. you still got power. The world is still active. Yeah, you can still, you know, generate power to start up the CD player or the vinyl player.
1: I would, you know what, realistically, I would choose the phone just for that, just for the fact that, like, you know what popped in my head first was, uh, I think iTunes is partially, like, an abomination. Mm. Because when, I don't know if you've ever bought a record on iTunes, Mm -hmm. but it comes so fucking compressed. Yeah. And, like, there was a band, um, a hardcore band from New York called Homicidal. And I bought one of their records as soon as it came out. It was members of like Bulldoze and like uh, other dudes of other cool hardcore bands out there. And um, I remember buying the record. And you know when you listen to a CD or even a vinyl, how a song may have like a sample that leads into the next song, like Mm -hmm. a swell or something? Mm -hmm. iTunes butchered this so bad where it would like... (sighs) And it would just stop and go to the next song, like, half a second in, and it would never know how to crossfade. And it would, like, you know, say if it was, what is it, 320 kilobits per second is, like, the nice high bitrate for, like, pure quality. They send you everything at, like, 190, 80 kilobits. Like, it's just so fucking smeared out and compressed, and I hated it so much that that has stuck with me, and I've never bought an album on iTunes since. And that was fucking... That had to be 2014 or 13. Ever since then, Spotify, though, and Apple Music have done a better job with that. Even Bandcamp, like, they take only waves and FLAC files. Mm. So, like, cool. They know what they're doing with their audio, and they know how to make it compressed enough to not lose any quality in the sound. But I do love the feeling. I used to—I wish CDs were, like, still a thing you had to buy. Mm. I kind of—if w- Spotify died tomorrow, I'd be really happy. So that way kids have to go to CD stores to find an album they like and, like— Really, nothing was cooler than like seeing that one guy pick up an album. You're like, oh, what do they sound like? Oh, they really sound like this. If you like this, like really doing the word of mouth game. And that's how like you learn your community. You learn your scene. You learn what you like by curating by other people not a fucking algorithm and not a youtube link that's spammed in front of you for ads and and like i just it's such a different angle you know i like like i said sam Goody and the whiz dude i would go in there all the time and just browse the section if you judge it judge it by its artwork who gives Mm -hmm. a shit pick it up try it if you don't like it
0: you know you don't like it anymore Mm -hmm. you know it was artwork or label for me it was yeah. yeah. Oh, that's on metal blade. I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind yep. of thing. and
1: they had to do. Uh, they had to do on the cover the sticker for fans mm-hmm. of Sopho mm-hmm. Fetus and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You're intrigued. Yeah. You know, give it a shot, and you know you'll see them. Like the biggest thing for me is who played with who. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you tours were always like who can collab the best, and who's got that angry sound. Like remember I said Full Bone Chaos earlier. The show I saw them was the Warriors, Remembering Never. Yep. Full Bone Chaos, mm-hmm. Recon. Nice. And it was like a whole list of bands that were all the same aggression, same fucking driving force bands. And that's how I just learned them. I just went to one show and went home with six new favorite bands. You know, it was so sick. And I don't get that a lot anymore. No. And I think it's more for like what we're talking about. It's more like who's getting the views on YouTube versus what bands are really fucking
0: killing it, you know? Cause it's, then you see them live and it's not the same tightness. It's not the same like thing. It's a weird time, man. And look, I mean, it, even, you know, my podcast gets it, man. You know, I don't, you know, I've got, you know, try, trying to constantly try and get some assistance with getting out to more listeners, you know, and assistance with getting certain artists. And the biggest respond I get from the big labels is what's your numbers? It's like, dude, doesn't, right. it, it shouldn't fucking matter. I've been doing this for three years. I've yeah. got 130 guests off my own back. Have a look at the mm-hmm. guests. I've got Alex of Despised Icon. I've got Brandon of Bleeding Through. I've got Brock nice. of 30. You know, have a look at my guest list and then maybe say, okay, he knows what he's doing. He's doing something yeah. okay. Don't fucking yeah. come at me with numbers. But um, yeah. enough of that. It's hard.
1: It's definitely yeah. hard. Like, I mean, even when I was in Suffolk, there was a lot of, there's a lot of interviewers that, dude, it'd be so funny, the fucking questions I would get. I would get questions like, so what went through your head when Effigy of the Forgotten was being written? I'm like, really? That's your question <laughs> to me like that's what you just asked me right now. Yeah, I don't know. When I was in my mom's womb, I thought, you know, I want <laughs> loud vibrations to be happening all the time. Mm-hmm. But no, I it just it's fucking crazy to me that like there are people out there like that that are blocking the airwaves mm-hmm. and then they'll it's it's like I think people need to start like I was saying with the labels earlier. They need to start seeing passion as a value and mm-hmm. I don't think that's a thing. Because for the fact that you're grinding, you get one hundred and thirty people on a podcast. I want to do podcast shit down the road. Like I have my whole room set up, like guest couch, cameras, fucking audio shit everywhere. But, like, I haven't gotten my angle yet because I've been doing the streaming and working on band stuff. But, like, I know that if you're grinding it, a late or or uh, some sort of group should look at you and say, like, all right, well, if we pick up this dude, he can we can build a channel around him and make you something better mm. versus, you just being on your own the whole fucking time because that's the problem these companies don't want to put into you they want you to be ready to go and they just yoink you mm. and now they're taking your profits you could have already probably been doing on your own by that point you know and that's how most labels look at bands they're like they don't want to take on baby bands they want you to already be selling and they put their fucking name on your album and then now they're going on with the win with it you know they're just having fun with you
0: yeah and it's, 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 it's weird you know bands go through it and you're yeah the last thing I'll say on it with podcasts. One of the funniest responses I've had is, um, you yeah, know, I don't like reaching out to PR groups or management groups, but sometimes you got to because you're trying to get yeah, you got a, B, or C. And the funniest thing is um someone's promoting an album, so you're like, okay, it might be a good time. you know their album is in the process of coming out. And you send their mm-hmm. management a email and you say, this is what we do, blah, blah blah, all of this stuff and they go, Yeah, I've had a thought about it, but I don't think they'd be interested. Well, have you actually fucking asked the band? Have you actually said, (laughs) have you actually approached the band and said, look, here's a thing where you can chat about your passion, um, people can get to know about the album, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? No, you've just decided of your stupidity that this isn't yeah, yeah, this yeah. is free PR motherfucker for your band. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. what is wrong with you?
1: Dude, I but that that goes along the lines of what we were talking about about jobs and what you want to do. It's like I remember I've had conversations like that. You could put me in any interview ever cuz I thoroughly enjoy talking about the things I love to do. Mm. Like I think if I had You know, people work a day job where you got to go into an office and tell them a bunch of shit that you don't have no, you have no give, you don't give no fucks about the thing they're telling you to talk about. It has nothing. The only thing that it has to pertain to your life is a paycheck. Like, Mm. and once you clock out, you're out. Fuck that shit. That's at work. I'm not thinking about that. We're like, I literally scream at people and sometimes get paid for it. And it's amazing. Mm. Like, it's such a cool fucking angle of life to have and. If anyone asks me questions about it, never am I going to be like, I don't know, talk to my agent, talk to my, you know, I'll tell you about (laughs) it right there, dude. I'll be in the line of fucking KFC and I'll tell you all about it.
0: (laughs) Um, It's different. um, First thing, Kevin, you're a fucking legend, man. First thing. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, Second thing. Thank you. Um, Really enjoyable. We smash it on time, like exceeded expectations. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. Outstanding outstanding content. Um, Enjoyable um and i know the listeners are going to love this too um <laughs> and thank you for you know i know your path is probably you know in your head feels like a lot of ups and downs but i'm thankful yeah. that you're still pushing through and you're giving content no matter what it is um yeah trying. you've it's always, all you can do right now man <laughs> and you've got me you know always going to back you um yeah nice. love it um but um, a lot of love, a lot of respect, and really appreciate this man.
1: Appreciate, it, dude. No, dude, it was cool to see the message reach out, dude. I'm glad I was able to do it, and uh, dude, we'll see what happens in a year or so when the album's out. Maybe we could recap.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, I'd love to um, part two when it when it finally drops. Love to uh, touch base and we can maybe dissect track by track and a Oh yeah, you know all of that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, dude. Absolutely. I will stay in touch, um, and thank you again. You're a legend. Appreciate it, dude. Take care. Uh, Take care. Over and out. Bye. So that was my chat with Kevin of The Merciless Concept and formerly of Suffocation. At the end there, you heard the track Suffering Humanity and the second track you heard was Ruin. Both of those are new songs by The Merciless Concept coming from their forthcoming album titled Sessions of Pain. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music at the end there, or you enjoyed the conversation, get online and delve into some of the Merciless Concepts discography. There's Armageddon on Bandcamp. I'm sure you can find it on Spotify and iTunes as well. If you enjoy those two tracks, those two singles, make sure you get online and support the band by pre-ordering the album when it appears. Or if you're into it, grab yourself a t-shirt as well. I've got to take this moment to thank Kevin again. Thank you so very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to touching bass and doing another chat when this album sees the light of day. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 130. Done. Dusted. All wrapped up. Locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about The Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com get in touch guys help us grow this mosh zone community there's not much else to talk about that is all of my rambling done thank you for tuning in have a great week stay safe open the pit